Expose my mind to clarity Oh, my spirit shudders Capture the moment, oh, to keep my sanity And the wisdom rushing in So much clearer Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. I am blessing you guys right now because we have two back-to-back guest episodes. Today I'm talking with Justin Benson. Um, Justin, thanks for being on the pod. I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself, tell everyone who you are and what you do. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Huge fan. So I'm really excited to be here. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm Justin. I'm a, a wedding photographer based out of Connecticut, and uh, I'm the co-founder of Aftershoot, which is an AI culling, AI editing software. Um, so I've used my years of experience shooting weddings to kind of put myself in a place where I can help photographers just have a better life. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, tell me kind of how you got started in photography and also how you got started with developing Aftershoot. Yeah, so um, for photography, I actually used to work on uh, TV shows in New York City. So I was um, uh, what they call like a location scout. They would give me a script uh, for some like really high quality TV shows like Gossip Girl and things like that. And I would find where they would film and I would just take pictures of those locations and I'd have to like sell the director with my photography. So I'd have to show them the pictures and like help them envision what it meant to be uh, to shoot a, a film there. And so that quickly turned into me walking around New York City, like looking for stuff and then just taking street photography pictures. Because I was like, oh, there's like a cool moment. I got to see these places that nobody got to see, um, all these old buildings and, and things that like I got exclusive access to. Uh, so I really just started to like fall in love with photography side of things. Um, and then one of the set designers saw that and then started putting my work on all these TV shows. So like in the background and all the restaurants where they're eating, it would be my photography. Um, oh, and cool. then that set designer actually hired me out to, uh, photograph her sets for magazines. So she was a huge inspiration to me, um, to kind of get off the ground with photography and then probably like the majority of us, somebody we knew in the family was getting married and didn't have a photographer. Uh, so they were like, hey, they're getting married next weekend. Are you free? And I was like, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. Uh, and that was it for me. That that sealed the deal from that day forward. I said, I'm going to photograph people getting married because this is the most fun, the most excitement. Everybody's happy. Um, it's just a great experience. So I, I just pivoted everything towards that and set my goals and worked hard to get to be a full-time wedding photographer. Cool. And um, then after shoot. Yeah, yeah, you could talk about after shoot. I have a question, but I'll put it in the back of my brain. Okay. <laughs> um, so with after shoot, uh, you know, as photographer, when I first started doing full-time photography, I was taking pictures of everything, right? I would go take pictures of my car. I would take pictures of my second shooter. Uh, my my son had a lizard. So I would just like, I would try and like expand my photography knowledge all of the time, right? I had so much fun doing all the things I loved, right? I, I was just taking pictures, um, enjoying being a photographer. And so 
that really was amazing until I started to get a lot of clients. And then once my clients started adding up, I couldn't keep up with doing my personal projects, the business side of things. It was really overwhelming. Culling and editing were like, I wasn't here to sit behind a computer. I was here to take pictures. That's what I love doing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, with Aftershoot, I saw somebody was posting in a Facebook group that there was this guy. He went to MIT. He thought that maybe he could help photographers use technology to like speed up their workflows. So I Instagram messaged him. We hit it off. We had a bunch of meetings and then he like built this app and then he sent it off to like 50 photographers and 40 of them said, didn't even answer. And then the 10 of them answered. I was one that answered nine of those 10 said, Hey, give up. It's impossible. You can never, technology can never do a photographer's job. And I was like, Hey, this is really, really bad, but we can do this. And then we just partnered together and, and pushed through. And here we are. That's so cool. Okay. So going back to your story, how was it transitioning from one type of photography to the other? So you kind of went from like landscapes and stuff into, you know, people and weddings. What was that transition like? And what were some of the things that you learned? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, really, I found that a lot of the things that I picked up on or techniques and experimentations that I learned by doing other types of photography translated directly to what I do in weddings. Um, so like the biggest challenge, of course, is how to run a wedding. I mean, that's like the the thing that I think sets a great wedding photographer apart from an okay wedding photographer is how well they can manage people the day and get to the end result. Um, and so for me, like I had the people skills because when I was doing the the TV stuff, I was knocking on people's doors and saying, hey, I work for Warner Brothers. Can I come in your house, take <laughs> photos, and maybe we'll film a TV show here? Um, so I had that kind of ability to connect with people and try and like, you know, buddy up with complete strangers. So I already had that part in play. And then really the, the skill set of photography. I mean, when you go out and shoot landscape photos or buildings or whatever it is, you're learning something every time you go out, right? Whether you're a wedding photographer, landscape photographer, every time you pick up a camera, if you don't limit yourself to just doing the same thing again, you can learn a new trick, a new tip. Uh, you know, even still to this day, I take it upon myself every single wedding. I'm going to do something I've never done before. Whatever it is, I can, whether it's a new pose, whether it's trying to shoot something totally different that I'm used to shooting the same way. And sometimes it's a great success. And I'm like, yes, this is the best photo I've ever taken. And then other times I'm like, wow, they're never going to see this picture. But it's that constant learning. Okay, that's really cool. And then when you and the your, I, I guess it would be co-founder of Aftershoot or yep. just partner. Okay. Yeah, he's the founder. I'm okay. The founder. Yeah. When you and the co-founder went from that initial email of like, Hey, like this could work. Like what was, what, what happened after that? Like what was kind of that story, like developing after shoot and like, how did you like literally get it to become successful? Cause I mean, you can have a great idea, but if it's not marketed the right way or, you know, if you don't do it right, like it won't succeed. So how, how did you make it work? Yeah. Uh, we got extremely lucky because 2020 March, 2020, is when that first terrible version came out. So okay. literally within like two weeks of me experimenting with it, the world shut down. Yeah. So we, I basically, I sent, I call it like the longest email in history. I wrote all the things wrong with it, all the things that photographers need to learn and understand and how to get, you know, 
it to select images for you. And then we sat down and we said, okay, what's actually possible? What things would be most important first in the process? And then we can start adding and, and adapting to it. So we spent the next bunch of months just going back and forth. I was sending cold projects. I was showing like where we went wrong, where we went right, a lot of experimentation. And then by November, 2020, we had something that was like, okay. Mm -hmm. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't gonna change the world per se, but it was really just back and forth a lot. Like, okay, we picked this image and it's clearly, it's really bad. It should never have picked that image, right? <laughs> it just missed the mark entirely. Um, and so it's just back and forth a lot of back and forth. And then, yeah, November, 2020, we had something that we gave to other people because by the end of November or by the beginning of November, 2020, it worked pretty good for me. It wasn't mm -hmm. perfect, but it did a pretty good job for me. So then it was, okay, what happens when other photographers use it? Cause I was the only photographer using it at that point. Okay. That's cool. Um, so let's talk about your wedding workflow. So it's kind of like switch gears a little bit. Um, so you shoot a lot of weddings. I mean, it's your wedding photographer. Um, I guess how many weddings do you shoot a year? Would you say? Um, so this year is my first year doing less weddings. So I'm only doing okay. 25 this year, only uh, doing 25. <laughs> <laughs> so last year we had 64. The year before that was 83. Okay. Uh, so as like a one person team, it's a lot, right? I mean, you're culling, you're editing. That's I'm shooting like two, three days a weekend. You did oh, 83 yeah. weddings yourself? Yep. <laughs> I'm actually shocked. Because like, I'll talk to DJs. They'll be like, oh yeah, we have like 75 weddings, but I have like five DJs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you would also be a great person to talk about burnout with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could help you with that too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So let's talk about your wedding workflow. Cause you've got to have it to a T because you shoot so many weddings. So kind of talk to me about your workflow, how you've set up your business to make sure that you can actually get everything done that you need to. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's pretty simple. I'll come back from a wedding. I have a, like a multi-card reader, so I'll plug in all my memory cards. I'll download them. To, uh, so I use Aftershoot, obviously that has an ingest feature. So what it'll do is it'll actually take the files off the memory cards load them onto two separate hard drives. So I have my backup hard drive, my working hard drive, um, and then it'll automatically start culling. So the AI will like, as soon as those files are on the hard drives, it'll immediately start culling for me. And again, it's AI, so it's not perfect. And the way we designed Aftershoot was to give you a little bit of everything. So like I, I always say, if you, I'm a Nikon shooter, so the chances of me having like a whole set of photos out of focus is pretty high. Um, so, so for me, that's one of those things that where like, it's going to give me one of everything. So if I took four photos that are out of focus, it's not sure if it was creative, if I'm a Nikon shooter or sorry to everyone who's a Nikon, <laughs> I, I use it. I love it, but yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's not sure if it's, it's go, if I did that intentionally, if it was accidentally, so it's going to show me that. So at the end of the day, the AI is going to get me down to from like 5,000 photos down to like 1,800, 2,000 photos somewhere in there. And my clients are only going to get like 1,000. So I still have work to do. I still have to go in um, and get that review process underway. And like for me, the best way to do it is I let it run through. It does its, its you know, AI cull at night. I wake up in the morning, I grab my cup of coffee and I start reviewing because I can go through the review process in less than an hour, right? I can get it whittled down to a thousand images, all my favorites, everything ready to go within an hour. Mm -hmm. That's how long it takes me to drink my coffee or my right. coffee, right? So it's mm -hmm. all done 
immediately after, right? And from that point forward, we have the AI editing. So I'll run it through the AI editing, but I'm going to take the rest of the day off, right? That's it for me. I'm, I, I got my cull, my final selections, everything's done. I'm going to go live my best life because that's what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want to sit in front of the computer on Sunday or Monday uh, focused on doing culling and editing and that sort of stuff. My clients won't appreciate it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've for me, uh, maybe I'm a jaded old wedding photographer, but I feel like a lot of uh, clients, we think like, oh, if I do like this extra work and go 10 extra steps, they're going to think I'm the best human being ever. Um, but what I've realized is that most of the time, the ones who really care are just the ones who really care. They, mm -hmm. they had a great experience with you. They don't care that I did it faster. Mm -hmm. They only care that I did a good job and I put my best forth. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm like, I'm going to take Sunday off and then I'll go do my sneak peek the next day, right? The AI has edited everything. I'll do my sneak peek. Mm -hmm. And then for me personally, I like to distance myself, right? So at that point, I wait before I go through the full editing process. I give a couple weeks, kind of let the wedding sit and digest because for me personally, I'm really attached to what I just did. So I will be like, oh, this is the best photo I've ever taken. I'm so excited for it. And then... Three weeks later, I'm like, that's not that good, actually. It's it's there's a better photo later that I'm not as connected to because that maybe I didn't work as hard for it um, or I wasn't involved as involved in it and creating it. So mm -hmm. I like to give myself a couple weeks and then I just mm -hmm. come back to it and then you know, like I said, the after shoots AI edited. It's the same process, right? It's going mm -hmm. through, correcting, adapting, adjusting. It's not going to get it right 100% of the time. It's going to get me a lot closer. So mm -hmm. I go through, tweak it, adjust it. And then all in, like my workflow before after shoot used to be like 15 to 20 hours per wedding, right? Like that's roughly how long I needed to sit in front of a computer to cull, edit, export, and get it out the door. Now I'm down to like less than three hours. That's my average. So I can really just, I, if I needed to do it really quickly, I could. Like mm -hmm. I could finish a wedding, I could finish three weddings today if I had to. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you were talking a little bit about like experience and like, how your, your clients basically are going to have a great experience with you. Can you kind of talk me through like your process of giving your clients a good experience? Like what are the, some of the things that you do, even if it's like wedding prep, like what are some of those things that you feel like kind of make you stand out in your business that give your clients like an amazing experience? That's a great question. Um, I think really it's just being heavily involved with on the wedding day. Right. So my pre stuff is not crazy. I just have a questionnaire that goes to them. Okay. They answer the questionnaire. I know exactly what I, that questionnaire is dialed in for me. It has every possible scenario that I need to know what the extra photos they want are, um, all the family relationships, all the bridesmaids, et cetera. And like the first thing I do on the wedding day, before I even pick up my camera, I walk into the room with the bride and the bridesmaids. I pull out that sheet and I go to the bridesmaids' names and I say, hey, I'm going to play a little game. I want to try and guess your names based on your occupation, which I don't have their occupation, right? It's just their names. So I say, okay, what do you do? And they're like, oh, I'm a nurse. And then I'm so-and-so. And then I'll go through the list. And like, sometimes I make a fool of myself. I never guess the name correctly, right? Because I have no, I have nothing to go on. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Um, but by doing that, I start repeating the name. So if I had like five bridesmaids, um, once I guessed like Sarah's name, I keep repeating Sarah's name. So by the time that exercise is done, I've memorized all the bridesmaids' names and we're on a first name basis. 
And they mm-hmm. love that because I can literally, when we're doing bridesmaids photos, I can say, oh, Sarah, turn your body a little bit to the left. And she knows who she is. It's not like, hey, third person from the end, you know, mm-hmm. it's, they have that connection. So it's things like that, where the experience overall, they feel like it's customized and it's really personalized, but really it's just a, to me, it's almost like a, a pattern, right? Mm-hmm. I've got it so locked in. I can recover from anything because I know what I have to do and how long it takes. Um, so like when a bridesmaid or when the bridesmaids take too long to get ready, I lose all this time, days delayed. Everyone freaks out usually, but for me, I go, okay, I know I can do at the bare minimum, I can do a couple bridesmaids photos. I can do the bride in each bridesmaid. I can do all of that in just under 12 minutes, right? I've got it calculated down what the minimum is, the fastest I have to do it. So I just have to find 12 minutes at some point to do those photos, whether it's before or after. And I just go to the bride and I say, hey, we're a little bit behind. No worries. I'm going to get us back on track. I just need 12 minutes extra during cocktail hour. That's all I need. And we'll get you back on track. Or, Mm -hmm. hey, I just need 12 minutes. Your ceremony's in 30. I know you wanted to relax. What if we just pull off to the side? No guests can see you. Let me just do these photos, just 12 minutes, and then we'll be back on track. You have nothing to worry about. And it's that sort of experience where they just, they trust in me. They feel confident that I'm looking out for the best overall photos for them, uh, but also really like keeping them on track because a, a day of coordinator or a wedding coordinator at a venue, they're not, they're only concerned with is the ceremony on time? Is, is cocktail hour done? Is dinner going out? Like those are their only concerns. And for me, my only concern is making sure that we're on schedule for the rest of the day so that when I get to the reception, I don't need anything else. All I need to do is take pictures of people having fun, let the bride and groom enjoy themselves, maybe sunset, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, I really like that. I think it's so important to be like a trusted figure, but I think it's just as important to hold your cool, even if you are freaking out inside, like to actually be that one person that is calm and collected about it, especially if you have a lot of wedding experience. That's probably why they hired you is because of your wedding experience. And I think if you're able to show like, yeah, we're behind, but like, I'm not worried about it because I know that we'll be able to make up time here or like whatever, like you said, I can get us back on track. I think that's so huge for client experience because nobody wants a freak out moment. Like I've seen the mother of the bride freak out, or even I've seen coordinators freak out. And it's like, what, like, that's not really doing anything. It's not really helping anything. And honestly, it is going to lead to just the couple not having the best day that they could. So sometimes I think you kind of have to put like those selfish things aside, like, oh, I want 45 minutes of portraits. Well, you might only get 20. I've had literally 10 before. Actually, I think in Mexico, I shot for five minutes. Like actually it was so quick. And like, sometimes the couple's like just over it or they just like, it's like whatever. And you just kind of have to be like, okay, it's not a selfish thing. Like I need to make sure that my priorities are in check because ultimately the couple is my priority at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, sometimes like things are tight. I have grooms. I oftentimes get grooms who don't want pictures, right? Like this is another kind of claim to fame. They say like, oh, you did my friend's wedding and that guy hated photos and he looked great and was having fun, right? So I add that I have that going for me, but I, I, what I do is I take everything understanding that my time is limited, right? So I'm very, very positive that at any point the rug could be pulled out from under me, 
So I make sure that if I only have like a, a 20 minute window, that the coordinator may come in 10 minutes and say, hey, we've got to get them inside, bustled and introduced. So if I know that I have 20 minutes, I'm acting like I have five. So I'm going through, I'm picking the best location I can see in eyesight, doing a couple poses there. What's the next best location, right? Again, just trying to get as much done. Okay, we're walking to this place. I'm going to take photos of you guys walking. So just trying to maximize every minute that I have taking photos with them. Because at the end of the day, if I did get that full 20 minutes, if the coordinator never shows up, all of my photos are done in 10. And then I have five, 10 minutes to play around. So I can get creative and try something different, um, mm -hmm. you know, and use that time to experiment. So it's almost like a, a rush to the finish, only to have extra time to, to really take some time to do something new and different. Um, because again, clients don't want to sit there and wait and like figure out what's going on. You need to mm -hmm. be like, this is what we're doing. Let's go. We're going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I kind of like the idea of like, if you're on a tight timeline, snapping photos while they're walking. Cause you know, sometimes like you get, like you get them in place. You're like, okay, walk towards me. Like you can kind of eliminate that pose by just getting it while it naturally happens. Especially if you're like, okay, we got to get in the reception, but I want a walking photo. Let's literally get a photo of you walking to the reception. I think it's like, it's the little things. I actually saw someone post about this. They were like the difference between like a normal photographer and like a luxury photographer is a luxury photographer would take photos of all the details during the candid moments that normally like someone else would put their camera down and kind of like ignore like those little detail things are kind of what adds to the storytelling of a gallery and really takes it from like average to next level. Um, and I think if you are focusing on those moments that are kind of happening in between, it's going to help the timeline, but it's also just going to build up your gallery and just make it fire, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love, uh, that's my, like my favorite thing. Cause I always walk there. I'm never in one position, right? So right. I may move five or six times in any given session. Sometimes I'll do the boring, like, okay, go over there. We're going to walk towards me stuff. But a lot of times the best ones are when they're actually like walking. Cause mm -hmm. I will just say, Hey, we're going to walk over there, throw your dress over your hand, give him the flowers. And then you guys are just going to walk. I'm going to take pictures of you guys walking. You can just have fun. Don't you talk, do whatever you want. Don't worry about me. I'm just going to be creeping around. And sometimes I'm like in the bush getting like that really candid, funny looking photo of them just walking because it's not staged. I'm not, they're actually walking, they're laughing, they're having fun, they're enjoying themselves. Um, because the other thing we do as photographers is we embed ourselves in their day a lot. And so sometimes that means that you're the person who's really like, whenever they're moving or doing something, you're in charge of them and they don't have time to really like get comfortable and feel relaxed. So if I'm like, Hey, you're going to walk like a hundred feet, but I'm going to take pictures, but don't worry about it. Just whatever. If I get a good picture or not, that's fine. I just want you guys to have fun. Mm -hmm. That gives them five minutes to walk and talk and enjoy and smile. And, and they just got married. They're excited. They're happy. Mm -hmm. I've heard of two couples experiences with their photographers. I've heard from two couples, not me, just like couples that I know that said that their favorite part on their wedding day was when their photographer gave them five minutes just to be by themselves. And like, yeah, they captured some of it, but it really was just like the photographer was like, here's five minutes. I'm going to be like all the way over there. Like you can literally just have this time to yourself because no one really does that for the couple. And I think that even that just like helps you stand out because it's like you're thinking of them. Like that's just, I don't know. It's just like going above and beyond in that little way, which seems so small. But honestly, I think about it and I'm like, I need to do that because I feel like sometimes on a wedding day, it's so 
go, 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 go. Granted, did I make the timeline? Yes. Did I make it go, 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 go? Yes. <laughs> but like, maybe we can change it a little bit to where you have like five minutes, like you said, to just like, you know, have just a moment and just really, I don't know, just enjoy the day for what it is. Because I mean, each day is unique and each couple is getting married probably for the first time, if not like the second time, but it's still like just a big deal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I build that at my timelines. I always have a 10 minute buffer on everything I do. So if I know that I only need 20 minutes for the bridal party, I'm putting 30, mm-hmm. right? And so what I do is I stack a little bit of time here or there so that by the end of the day, I, in theory, will have a 30-minute gap where nothing is required, nothing is happening. There's no need for me to take photos, but I will if they're interested in it. And that's my main goal, right? Is mm-hmm. I always ask my couples, like, sunset shots are kind of my signature thing. We use the off-camera flash and do like all – and some couples – just don't want to do it at that point. Yeah. When sunset rolls around, they're like, you know what? I've had enough. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, hey, it's a nice sunset out. Are you interested? Maybe, maybe not. And if they say no, I'm good. That's I've already mm-hmm. covered everything I need to cover. I'm not worried about doing it. I just want to do it because they want their experience. And obviously for me, it's always a nice portfolio piece. Um, but if they don't want it, I'm not forcing anybody to do it. That's, that's why I built all that extra time, did all those pictures. It's first and foremost, it's a wedding day. Mm-hmm. And we always have to remember that they're there to celebrate and be excited, no matter how pumped up we are, no matter how amazing the couple is and how photogenic everything is. At some point, if they don't get the experience of being at their wedding and enjoying it, they're only going to remember how their photographer took them out and wasted their whole day. And they didn't say hi to this friend because they spent three hours taking photos during the reception. So it's a, it's a balance. This episode is sponsored by Aftershoot. Aftershoot is an AI-assisted culling and editing software designed to save you hours of editing. Aftershoot offers unlimited culling and unlimited editing for a flat rate, so it's not priced per image. And Aftershoot can run without Wi-Fi, so you can edit on a plane in the middle of nowhere. Aftershoot has you covered. The culling app has lots of great features that can help you with the review process, like key faces, duplicate grouping, spray can mode, and more. Go to the link in the description and use code CASSIDY20 to get 20% off all aftershoot packages. That's Cassidy20 to get 20% off all aftershoot packages. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Do you ever feel, this is just something that I've been feeling lately. Have, do you feel like sometimes wedding days are just like a bunch of photo ops put together? Like sometimes I feel like couples treat it like the whole day is about photos, which I like, I, I like because it's like, oh, you really care about your wedding photos. But sometimes it's like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, is this really what weddings have come to? Like where it's just the whole day is about taking photos. You know, I don't, I don't know. Like, do you ever feel like that? I do sometimes. Yeah. There's definitely some couples who like, they have a to B planned out. Like they're like, Oh, we're going to do photos of this during this time. And like, I'm okay with that. It's not like the end of the world. Uh, but just, it it really is like, I wish it was just, Hey, like we want to enjoy our day and have fun. And like my favorite photos, um, you know, I love doing all my fancy, exciting stuff, but my favorite photos are like when they're on the dance floor, like crowd surfing, right. When it's like a raging party and everyone's having a blast and, and some wild stuff is happening. That's where I love to like, just have fun. Mm -hmm. And I want them to have fun because that's really where they shine. Like the tie comes off and everyone's just enjoying themselves and not feeling like, Oh, I have to be like primped and proper for this photo. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know why I just kind of like, 
I think I saw an Instagram post and then it really got me thinking about that. Just like the idea. So I just wanted to see if you yeah. felt no, the same. No, no, no. You're not alone. I definitely okay. I felt it. Okay. Fortunately for me, I've had like four or five weddings in a row that were all just really delayed. So it well, it couldn't even be a photo opportunity. It was mm. like a scramble to get back to reality the whole right. time. I'm like, oh no, like your hair and makeup didn't finish until 10 minutes after your ceremony started. So let's go. <laughs> You were getting hair and makeup done during your ceremony. Like that's it. It, it actually happened. The ceremony started 30 minutes late. Oh. Um, yeah. It was hair and makeup finished as oh. the ceremony was supposed to start. The poor groom was up at the beginning. He didn't know. Mm-hmm. The poor groom was up at the beginning of the aisle. My second shooter is texting me like, Hey, are you guys coming? Like what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, uh, she's not even in her dress yet. So give us a few. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. Okay. So let's talk about, burnout and I guess like how you avoid it if you've been burnout I I, this is a lot of people ask about burnout and I think people ask it because they either feel it coming or they've heard horror stories about it so just kind of like walk me through your approach to this topic (laughs) yeah absolutely um so I've been there on the verge of it had it recovered um you know there's it's common, right? I mean, as photographers, we we cram a lot into a little space. But the most important thing to prevent it is a knowing what you need as a human, right? So yes, money is amazing. It's awesome to be making money. It's exciting to be in demand. But you also have to kind of take a step back and say, okay, if I do this, will I end up happier? Or will I end up crushing myself? So if you're looking at your October and you have sessions almost every day in October, and then you get inquiries to do some more, you have to ask yourself, if I do more, am I going to be able to handle it? Because we as humans are like, yeah, I need the money. I'm going to do it. Imagine if I got an extra $5,000 this month, I could buy a new car or whatever I want to do. Right. But at what cost? Mm -hmm. And so there's ways to prevent burnout, right? And I, that's kind of where Aftershoot, you know, not to keep plugging Aftershoot, but that's really what it's about, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I've been able to do what I do. I mean, doing 80 weddings in a year, 83 weddings, it was only one year, right? Usually it's 60. Um, but that extra 20 weddings, that's huge. Mm-hmm. 20 weddings alone on top of the 60, it's, it's life changing. So mm-hmm. being able to have tools in your wheelhouse that can help you with all of your processes, right? So the culling, that's a huge one. It's important. I'm involved still. My clients aren't seeing any, like they aren't getting anything less of a product. I'm just having a tool that can really help me with some things, right? So it's getting rid of some blurry photos, some closed eyes photos. Same with the editing, right? It's not doing a hundred percent of the editing. It's getting me really close to my final product, but I'm still tweaking. I'm still Photoshopping stuff. I'm still giving them the same exact result they would expect without AI. It's just that I'm freeing up time and energy for myself. And that comes Mm -hmm. down like all the way from booking systems, right? So making sure you have a good booking system, a good calendar system. And then really most important thing to do really to prevent the burnout is put these systems in place and then make sure that you take the time, right? So I try to take the time every day, one hour a day to do something that I want to do, whatever it is, no strings attached, no nothing. It could be going to sometimes two hours because I go see a movie or (laughs) like I'll go on a walk or I'll go rollerblade somewhere. I'll, I'll try and do something to just keep me 
away from it, right? It's the phone is on do not disturb. I'm just doing something for me. Mm-hmm. All of the emails, all of the clients, they're all still there, right? Temp- making templates for responses, right? I get people all the time, where are my photos? I can't wait, right? Like I, I walk in the door and I get the text like, thanks so much. Are the photos ready yet, right? Yeah. So having these <laughs> these tools in place to answer those with a template, right? So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very generic answer for me, right? So replying back is, hey, you know, thank you so much. We're so excited to show you your gallery. We're still working on them. We'll give you an update as we get a little bit closer. Right. And that's just enough for them to go, okay, they're still working on it. I understand. And I may get another email back from them in like three days or four days. Like, Hey, is there another update? But again, it's the same response. Hey, nope, still working on it. Mm -hmm. Um, But having these systems in place means that I'm not scrambling every time something happens. And I think, I hope I'm speaking for everybody, but when you get that email from someone looking for photos, you go, you're always like, oh no, the anxiety rises. You have to get this done. They're not happy with me, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But really you gave them a great experience. You gave them great photos, but all of this greatness takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. So as long as you're on top of it and making sure that you're, you know, you have these processes in place, it's pretty easy to avoid burnout. The only thing you can't avoid burnout with is overscheduling, right? So if you right. if you do way too many sessions, that's a decision you made that you're not going to be able to recover from that. You you're just it's constant. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really good advice. I feel like if there's something in your workflow that feels mundane or like you're dreading it, but like you have so much to do, like that's one thing that I would like want to outsource or figure out a solution for. So like you're saying, if it's editing or culling, like using, you know, like a software to help you with that is genius, honestly. Like, but I guess like thinking about your business and how you take so many weddings, how do you figure out your schedule and like what the limit is so that you don't burn out? Um, and I guess like coverage wise, like, does that factor in? Like if you have a 10 hour wedding day, do you like not book 10 hours back to back or just kind of like walk me through the whole, (laughs) I still can't comprehend how many weddings you shoot. So just kind of help me understand a little better. (laughs) Yeah, no. So a lot of it will tie to coverage and location. Um, so like I'm a preferred vendor at like a bunch of different venues and one of them is really close to my house. It's about 12 minutes away. That one is always the third one. If I'm going to have three weddings in a row and it's going to be a Sunday, it has to be there or I won't take the third one, right? I need something that I can like kind of wake up, grab a coffee and head to, get it done, come back, call it a day. Um, I try and also, when applicable, I, I don't do three in a row anymore, right? I, I, I turn that switch off. I said it, that three in a row, after you do that enough, it's pretty tiring. Um, two in a row is tiring. Three in a row is exhausting. So I, I turn that off. Um, so I won't do those anymore. Now I will try and do like Friday, Sundays. That's my favorite combination, right? So I shoot on a Friday, take Saturday off and I don't do anything photography related on Saturday. I just sleep and nap and have fun. And then I go shoot another one on Sunday. That's my favorite combination. Uh, but really n- knowing when the limit is, is understanding how you feel after one wedding, right? So if you shoot one wedding and you wake up the next day, and your muscles hurt, and you're tired, and you feel like, oh, I just want to lay in bed, then you probably can only do, you should just limit it at one. Because if you had to do two in a row, you're going to go way downhill from there. For me, I've always been somewhat fit. 
So I always like to exercise and do stuff. So for me, doing one wedding alone isn't too much. Doing two is is the perfect amount. By the end of the second day, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm pretty tired. I, I feel it now. Um, so the difficult part about being a wedding photographer is you have to know this a year in advance. <laughs> so you have to you have to figure out, can I do this a year in advance? Um, again, figuring out what tools you have available to you now, like you have to just say, okay, this is how it is now. It takes me this long to call and edit a wedding. It takes me this long of emailing back and forth. So this is one wedding. This is what it would mean to do two in a row. So if I did two weddings in a row, if I do Friday and Saturday, if it took me 20 hours per wedding to call and edit, it's going to take me two or three weeks to do my calling and editing because mm-hmm. I'm going to answer emails. I'm going to have other stuff going on. I'll have engagement sessions, things out there. So 20 hours is like, you got to spread it over a week and a half. Mm-hmm. So knowing that in advance, knowing that that's what it takes to do one wedding means that when I book, I have to be able to pre-plan that so I don't have to try and squeeze two weddings into the same week as far as calling and editing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. again, it's just time management and predicting. Um, but the best rule of thumb, if you feel like it's a lot, if you look at it, if you're questioning, can I do this? Can I do three weddings in a weekend? probably should just skip it. <laughs> right. um, maybe you could do it once to see, but really it's, it's tiring. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you're on preferred vendor lists. Would you say that that's where a majority of your bookings come from? Like, how are you getting, you know, how were you getting 60 weddings a year, like marketing wise? Like, how are people finding you? That's something that I can't even comprehend is 60 weddings, like people actually wanting to book me for 60 weddings. Cause I'd be like, how would these people hear about me 60 times, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, a lot of it was from these vendor, uh, these venues. So it's a mix, it's ven, it's venues and it's just general referrals. Um, I would occasionally do like a Facebook boosted post or something. And like, I would try and target it. Um, you know, I can go into that whole targeting thing too, but, um, like really venues are a huge impact. I mentioned how like time efficient I try and be, mm-hmm. that's huge for venues. I'm always okay. on the venues team. Couple needs beautiful photos, but the venue just cooked 150 steaks and they can't let them sit and get cold. So for a venue to love you, you need to be on schedule. And that's extremely important. That's my that's my foot in the door. I take a beautiful photo every single wedding. I go to a venue. I try and find some aspect of the venue that I love and try and do a nice big wide shot that shows a, a couple that's happy and kissing or smiling or whatever it is and some big feature of the venue that they are excited about, whether it's a fireplace or it's a uh, like arches in the back of the building or you know just something that the venue, it's like their calling card. And by taking that calling card photo for them and making it unique, I hand that off to them and that's marketing for them. They post it, they share it, um, you know, they'll use it in their their books that they give their couples and they'll like, I'm on the cover and the backside of a lot of venues books okay. for those exact photos. So when somebody goes to book this venue, they take the book, they see my picture. And then when they close the book, uh, they see my picture again. And uh, it just says, hey, this is who took the photo. They want to know. They're like, oh, I love that picture. So it just, 
it goes a long way to make these connections, work with venues, try and keep on schedule. Um, I check in with them regularly when I'm shooting, right? Like, hey, are we on schedule? Uh, is this okay? Or if I have issues, right? If my timeline's behind, I say, hey, my timeline's behind by 20 minutes. What would you prefer? Do you want to get dinner out, introductions, first dance, everything? Do you want to get this going? And then I'll just take them outside after that. If you can just give me 20 minutes after that so everyone can get their food. And usually they're like, yes, oh my God, thank you for asking. We need to get the food out now. But when they come to people like photographers and go, hey, we're behind and they say, oh, I need 20 more minutes. They're like, no, I got to get the food out. They're like, I don't want to work with that guy anymore. He's not helping me get to my end result that I need to. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot of that, right? Just being on the venues team, talking to them, coordinating with them. Uh, and you know, great photos are great photos, but if they don't have a great experience working with you, they're not going to put you on that list. Mm-hmm. It's almost they're- like they're your secondary client, you know? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're happy. So a lot of venues like I'll go up to the coordinators and, you know, ask them like, Hey, is there anything that you guys like any new additions or anything that you were really proud of as a venue owner that we can try and incorporate for the couple? And like, sometimes like now do whatever you want to do. And then other times like, yeah, I really, there's like this view over here that I wish somebody would take a photo of. Sometimes it's not the best view. They just (laughs) think it is right. But I try and incorporate that in some way the best I can. And if it works, awesome. My couple's happy. The venue's happy. They got the shot they want. Uh, and if it doesn't work, you know, I didn't, it doesn't kill me because I can recover, right? If I come up and it's like really a terrible view, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay, I can just turn around and shoot this way and it's fine. And, you know, sorry, venue, it doesn't look as good as you wanted to on camera. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, they're, they're like a secondary client, but you have to make sure that you're working with them uh, to make sure that they can do their job, but then they want to share your photos, right? Every venue is super interested in your content, your work. So you have to make work that they want to see, but you have to make that connection that they want to work with you to Mm -hmm. share. Yeah, yeah. I think that's such an interesting marketing strategy because you can kind of get in with venues that maybe are newer. Um, You know, where I live, there's new venues popping up all the time. Like you can get in with maybe a venue that doesn't have tons of photos, doesn't have a preferred vendor list yet, and you can really like start to try to work with them. Even if you don't have a wedding there, you could probably reach out and just be like, Hey, I'd love to like swing by and just take some photos of your property, whatever. Like, I think that is such a good marketing strategy because it's proven for you to work so effectively to the point where you're able to literally shoot so many weddings with these people that, you know, you've worked with many times. Like, yeah, I think that's incredible. And honestly, it's like a very timeless marketing strategy. It's not like you have to keep posting an Instagram reel every day. Like Mm -hmm. it's like once you've made the good impression, you've created the relationship. That's kind of where it leaves. And then it's just kind of like you're working together at that point. You're like a team. Absolutely. They're looking for you right there. They found the venue. They're in the office at the venue signing a contract and all they see is pictures, your pictures right? And that resonates with them. They go, oh, I, I like that photo that's hanging on the wall behind the coordinator. Who took that photo, right? They'll ask that. And that's huge. So, uh, you know, and sometimes the venues will just push me extra because they're like, hey, we just had a terrible experience with a photographer and we're really like, so some, some weeks I'll get like 20 inquiries 
just because everyone who signed at that venue, they're like, you got to go with this guy because they're just so mad at the other guy who didn't do what they were supposed to do, right? They went over in the time, like one of the venues told me, hey, the photographer and the bride and groom just disappeared at our wedding last week. They were gone for an hour and a half in the middle of the reception. Nobody knew where they were. Nobody checked in. We didn't know what was going on. We ended up having to just serve the food. And then the bride and groom got cold food, right? And they, it was like, they were so upset. And then literally I had a wedding there the next week. Everything was on schedule. Life was good. Dinner went out when it was supposed to. Bride and groom never disappeared. Um, and they the following week, again, it was just a whole bunch of referrals directly to me, like 20 plus referrals where they're like, yeah, we want more of you, not more of that. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. That's amazing that you've kind of built your business on that. And it's just, yeah, that's very cool. And not something I'm super familiar with, but I have little experience working with like being a preferred vendor, but there was one venue that I think, I think I was on their list because someone came to me and told me that the venue referred me. And that year I literally shot there like eight times, which is a lot for me. I, you know, I take 20 weddings like that year. I took 20 weddings and half of them were at this venue. And I didn't even put two and two together until that last person was like, Oh, the venue referred you. And I was like, Oh, this is making so much sense because I literally am constantly getting inquiries for this place. It's very powerful. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a, it's one of the best marketing strategies. I mean, Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't have to time it out to arrive with them right there. They will get, they will usually get the venue before they pick a photographer. Yes. Yeah. So you, that's the first place they'll have contact with you and they're guaranteed to have contact with you because every venue has a list and every venue usually gives that list to the clients. Mm -hmm. And like you said, there's new venues popping up just a little advice. If you want to get in at one of these venues, right? There's a new venue that you absolutely love. You want to do something there, offer to take pictures of it, but something else you can do if you have, you can grab a couple models, right? Just like a couple, do an open call, do something for free, take some photos of them at this venue, right? Ask the venue, obviously, if it's okay, but say, Hey, I want to make some content. You're a new venue. I'd love to like do some like kind of like a styled shoot or something here. doesn't have to be fancy. It could be like, you know, baseline, like fake flowers and nothing crazy with makeup, but them having those big wide shots that show the venue and a happy bride and groom, that's -hmm. what they want. And that's how you get on those lists. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So smart. We're just over here giving away like the most valuable marketing strategy ever. (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask you kind of to wrap up the episode about AI because I feel like everyone's talking about it. Like it was a really big topic a couple months ago, but I feel like it's still really big. Um, so I guess like AI and photography, where do you think like the industry is going? Like, how do you think it's going to impact things as someone that literally like owns like an AI, like software, like, I feel like you have an in on all of these AI things. So just give us some knowledge. Yeah. So, uh, this is like the coolest time to be a photographer that it's, it's maybe it's the second coolest behind like film to digital, but it's really Mm. Being in this space at this time is absolutely amazing because we're about to change how we do photography in general, right? I mean, like with the generative AI and Photoshop, we're now able to say like, oh, it's okay if I accidentally like photograph a light stand in my shot or if I, you know, if there's somebody that I need to get rid of, it's pretty simple to just say, hey, remove this. Um, and so we're we're getting all these tools that really make it a lot easier to produce our best work. 
I get a lot of people who say, okay, what's going to happen to my job, right? Like AI is going to replace me or whatever it may be, but that's not the case, right? We as photographers, we capture emotion. What we do is, is pretty much irreplaceable, right? You can't find some sort of AI that can really capture a moment or the essence of something. There's no nuances, right? You can prompt AI to create something that's very realistic, but you can't capture real life with AI. So most of us are okay. I would say maybe like some headshot photographers and some brand <laughs> photographers, there might be a target on your back. Um, but most of us are, are in a good position where we're capturing human emotion, whether it's families, it's newborns, it's, it's weddings, we're hired out to be moment chasers, right? Mm -hmm. All we're doing now is getting tools to make those images much better, right? Now we have tools to make being a photographer a much more enjoyable experience. If I don't have to spend 20 hours sitting behind the computer culling and editing, if I can do it in three with AI, that's huge because I can either enhance my craft again like I used to, which is what I've been doing. I've been just playing around with the camera and like I'll take my kids outside and I'll be like, hey, I, I took a picture. Sorry, I had to sidetrack here. I took a picture of a frog in my backyard the other day. I spent 30 minutes chasing this frog with a softbox because I wanted to see if I could do, I wanted to capture the frog mid jump. That was my only goal. So it was about just learning timing. I had a softbox in one hand. I had the camera in the other. I'm running around. The frog is jumping everywhere. It wants to get away from me. A poor guy probably had a heart attack. I got the photo, but it was such a fun experience. And so like, it's why I do photography. It's why I love photography so much. So being able to just do that and hone in on that craft, I'm never going to photograph a frog jumping on a wedding day, right? But what I picked up from that, just chasing that frog around, revolved a lot around a softbox position to do some interesting shots. And so then I said, you know, I really love the light I put on the frog. It was an accident. It was a happy accident. It was the only picture of the frog jumping, but I had the, the softbox almost directly above the frog. And it created such a nice light and it rounded off very nice below. So then the following wedding, I took the softbox and I actually hung it over the bride and groom. Like I had the, my second shooter with the stand, basically dangling it right on top of them. And I just brought their chins up a little bit higher and had them look off into the other direction. And now I have this extremely dramatic, but cool, soft, rounded light that I would have never done if I never took the picture of the frog, right? So it's it's enhancing my, my capabilities. Um, by doing these sort of things. So having AI as a tool that can like better your business aspect of things, whether mm -hmm. it's blogging, whether it's uh, responding to emails, like there's AI that can help you in every part of your workflow, take advantage of them. It's a mm -hmm. great time to utilize them to give a better experience to your clients, whether it's faster turnaround times, whether it's a happier photographer, because you're not like freaking out that you're overloaded with the culling and editing. Um, there's so many tools available to us to just be the best photographers we can be. Mm -hmm. um, and for like us as a company, as, as Aftershoot, there's no better time to join in because we're, as a photographer myself, we're probably one of the only ones that's really looking at the photography industry from this perspective. So I'm looking at what photographers actually need, what tools photographers actually use. I use the product every week in and of itself, right? So I have that firsthand experience. Um, but what we're also looking at is how we can make the photography industry better. 
And that's really awesome that like every single photographer that, that subscribes to Aftershoot, we hear your voices. You request a feature, we look at that feature, we try and dictate how AI shapes the industry. Mm -hmm. We're doing the same with like creators. So we have um, like professional preset companies, uh, professional photographers, they're building AI profiles that they're going to sell on the marketplace for photographers, right? But we are able to do something within this space that's unique to us and only us. And it's, we're able to actually kind of encrypt these things so that they're made in a way that you can't go stealing profiles and, and stuff, right? Like we have competition obviously in the space and they're kind of like, hey, you can steal it. It's really easy. Here's how. They'll teach you how to take money out of a creator's pocket. But we're like, hey, this is our chance, right? We can make it so that everybody in this industry, no matter what you do, whether you create presets, whether you're like a world-class photographer or you're just like Joe Schmo on the corner who needs calling and editing, we can make this space for us every in every decision every impact we can make it so we're all earning to our best potential so that we can uplift the entire industry as a whole and that's like again it goes to our pricing models it's all flat rate it's unlimited uh because we don't want it to be like oh no outsourcing costs me everything it's like oh no outsourcing costs me for the entire year what i would earn in one session so i just take an extra session and all of my outsourcing is paid for so again it's just being able to take this stuff down to a, a level that you guys all get to be involved in. Every single photographer gets to say, Hey, I really wish you had this feature. I really wish you guys could do this to help the industry. And we said, okay, we're in, we're, we're a part of this industry, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. And I think like when it comes to AI, you were saying something about like people being afraid it's going to take their jobs. And like, I've never been afraid of that, but only because I always think like, AI literally cannot take the photo. There's always going to have to be a middleman. Like there's always, even if AI does end up figuring out how to, you know, how to take photos, there's going to be a middleman that's going to have to coordinate that and then coordinate running photos through AI to get them edited. You know, there's always going to be like a middle person. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's really cool though, how, how you said this is a cool time to like be in photography. Um, cause there is a lot changing, but honestly it's changing for the better. Like just hearing so many things you can do with AI and photography is amazing. Um, it definitely didn't even exist when I started photography in 2017. Like these things weren't a thing. So like, I'm literally only been like six years and things are already changing. So yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's amazing. It yeah. really is the time to be alive. I mean, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> The best job. We all get, we all start as photographers because we're excited and, and we love photography and, and that sort of stuff. And and now you literally, you have all the tools to be the happiest photographer you can be. Like it, it was a great job before, except we all were stressed. We were overbooked. We are, you know, sitting and culling and editing and doing mm -hmm. all the stuff we had to do. And now all that stuff is alleviated and we're like, Hey, this is cool. Yeah, I really do have the best job, right? It's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, Dustin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, I would love for you to tell everyone where they can find and follow you if they don't already. Um, yeah. And if you have anything coming up. Yeah. Awesome. So um, you can find me, Justin, at, uh, at J Benson Photography. I'm on Instagram, so you can find me there. Um, and then Aftershoot, you can find us. It's at Aftershoot Co. Um, so, you know, follow along. We're, we're always happy to hang out and chat and share and 
do anything we can do to kind of help the industry grow and and be awesome. So I'd love to love to see you, meet you on the internet somewhere. Yeah. Um, I travel the world doing after shoot a lot, right? So in between weddings, I like shoot weddings on Fridays and Saturdays, and then I fly to different countries. So we'll be in England. Uh, we're always at all the trade shows in the US. So if you're ever somewhere, just stop by, look for the guy with the big goofy mustache and uh, and I'll give you a hug and a t-shirt. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Justin, for coming on the podcast today. It was great chatting with you. Um, and I hope everyone listening has a great rest of their day. Exposure With all of the highlights and the shadows is my composure All the layers above all the edits and tweaks I know her I am so done needing more time developing in my Doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain or down in quicksand, whatever the moment, wherever we stand, I'm taking it. Doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain or down in quicksand, whatever the moment, wherever we stand, I'm taking you, taking you, taking you. Never gonna stop, I'm getting good on shoes